It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. We're less than a month away from the kickoff of NFL season. We even have preseason games going on tonight. We've talked for months and months, or even if you're new to the best ball streets, we've been talking all sorts of different strategy. We talked about the basics this week. We've drafted teams. Now, let's just open it up. What questions might anyone have? We took some questions from Twitter. We took some questions from Discord. And if you have questions, bring them in to the chat here. We're going to talk all possible forms of best ball strategy right now. guys happy thursday it is really absolutely insane that we're kind of almost to the nfl season it doesn't feel like that like i remember we talked about this on tuesday if you didn't watch the spike week football show on tuesday with myself and rob coakley we had a lot of fun kind of going back over rehashing a lot of the basics of best ball and it wasn't just like a you know, super duper basics. I think that's actually the problem with a lot of like people really trying to get into the space. You like Google best ball basics and it's just like, oh, you take, you know, your optimal lineup out of your 18 players. You know, you it's a 12 man draft as opposed to like actual strategy basics and like, how do I win at this thing? And I think it was, it was really good. It was also helpful for me and I think for Rob as well, just to kind of re- remind ourselves about how important some of those basics and everything are. But we're so close to the season that A, it was important to go over that, but now it's important to kind of start talking about anything and everything. At this point, we probably all have the players we like. We probably all have the structures that we like to draft our teams with, right? Maybe you're a run, an early running back type of person. Maybe you're a zero RB bro. Maybe you're, you like the three quarter, but like to go three quarterbacks more than say someone like I does. You like to, maybe you like late round tight ends. Maybe you absolutely really want to uh, tackle elite, elite tight ends. But all that stuff is like, even for new people, you're going to learn that as you draft. But you figure all that kind of stuff out and there's been so much content about all that. Right. But like 
as you dive into all these drafts with only a month left to go, and um, this month you could could just be doing your first draft today, or you could only have you know a handful of drafts left to do. How do we kind of attack the strategy for this last month leading into the season? How do we handle training camp? How do we handle the preseason games? Right, we have preseason action going on tonight. How do we kind of navigate this final month? Um, and also thinking about like yesterday, we had the draft IQ show where I went over my 150, 149, my 150 teams on um, on DraftKings in the DraftKings Millie Maker, $5 Millie Maker. And like thinking about what you have in a certain tournament, right? What you've already drafted in Best Ball Mania, all these things play together. And so I think it's a little, maybe even a little more fun just to kind of open things up and have an open, frank, honest conversation about strategy. Everything that... uh we all, you know, might be thinking about. You guys might be thinking about something different than I'm thinking about. Um, and I don't want I, I don't want to go over all the same things constantly all the time. And I don't want to just do draft streams constantly all the time. I want to have um kind of some, you know, not more meaningful. It's all meaningful, but it's important to set aside some time to be like, you know, what are you guys thinking about? Uh, or what am I just randomly thinking about that we can talk about with with uh with strategy one thing out before we hop in i see some of the questions and i have some of the questions on twitter pulled up and ready to go is um i did want to just briefly touch on if you are still figuring out how you want to kind of spend your bankroll attack these best ball tournaments and everything here down the stretch i'm not trying to guide anyone to any individual tournament site whatever everyone has to make those uh, decisions for themselves but if you're strictly just trying to get into especially if you're newer trying to get into something that's a little bit more straightforward and is definitely going to be kind of the most plus ev tournament that is out there because it's absolutely going to overlay a ton is on drafters go to drafters.com they have their 20 dollars best ball championship they also do have a two dollar and 22 cent tournament. So if you want to get like some practice reps in, that's probably the best tournament to do so. It's cumulative scoring, meaning you'll hear constant. We'll talk about it today, I'm sure, talking about the playoffs, week 17, all these things that are so important on underdog and DraftKings. But on drafters, you just got to score the most points from week one to week 17. And so um, it's kind of a little bit more of a straightforward format and i don't know if i had to guess it's going to get like maybe 75 percent full or something like that so you know ever the money you put in there is already worth more money than uh, which is pretty rare in best ball is already worth a little more money than uh than before and if you use promo code spike or use the link that's down in the description you can get a free ticket to that that contest they have in my opinion the best promo also going on in in best ball you deposit just ten dollars Put in promo code spike or use or just go directly from the link beneath in the description and you'll get a free ticket into that. So like you can spend ten dollars and get a free ticket and on it. If, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But um, I think they have a, a product that's something that we can take advantage of over this last month. And that's something that uh, that I'm going to try to do. So um, let's hit some of the chat questions first and then I'll, I'll hop over to. Uh, so the, the the Twitter stuff. Well, first, Carlos says it went went way too fast. It feels like just yesterday I was drafting in parentheses the worst teams in best ball history in the big board. Yeah, I do. I do remember um, 
the big board here. I can I can share my screen and we can just super, super quickly look at how awful my big board teams are. So it'll make you feel better, Carlos. Let me zoom in. Um, if I go to the big board here, so you see I drafted 47 teams into the big board. I was trying to not go super duper crazy in uh, in the early the early contest, big board, super flex and all that, because I knew that this summer was going to be absolutely wild and crazy. But um, uh, let me just go to exposure. You see, I was taking, so my anti Leonard Fournette uh, case got ruined with the drafting of Rashad white. I was taking a stand on Keyshawn Vaughn, Dallas Goddard was a guy I was really high on. Then of course they trade for AJ Brown, Mitch Trubisky, Whatever, so so I don't mind. Terry McLaurin, I'm not really sure what I was thinking. KJ Hamler, okay, fine. Henderson, Sutton, Robbie, whatever. Corey Davis, I don't know. Ky- I went on a, I was on a big Kyron Williams kick in uh, the big board. And I mean, anytime you can draft 26% of the guy who ended up getting suspended for the year for gambling, that's always good. Had my late round tight end stuff going. Kylan Granson, Trey McBride. You know, we were having fun. Jarrett Patterson, dead. We were, we were, we really pissed away uh, some money there in the big board. Um, let's see. Kiz K20 says, if you're maxing a tournament 150 entries, how many, if any, do you stray away from your standard constructions? Do you take 10 to 15% of them and just get nuts, especially in a smaller entry-free tournament? Excellent question. Absolutely excellent question. And I think there's something I see a little bit across the best ball space fairly frequently. And I actually have a fairly strong opinion, strong take on this. And it's it's kind of different for the two different questions that you asked. The first part being, if you're maxing, how many do you stray away from your standard constructions? And the first thing I would say to that is it's actually different from your second question and like, do you just get nuts? Uh, I would treat them separately. So um, actually I can, again, use, uh, I, I should have kept my screen share cause I can use kind of an example from actual teams that I have drafted. Um, and I can, I mean, I have, I have the 150, I guess 149 cause I'm saving one for a stream in this, in the DraftKings best ball Millie maker. Right. So if I go to exposure and I look at my roster builds and team structures, here this basically is going to talk about what you're talking about and point being you see you know from a roster build perspective i don't really stray away from you know you don't see five quarterback teams there's a there's there's one that that uh, didn't register we'll have to get that fixed but uh you know so there's this one four six seven three that was probably an auto draft because i know that i don't take four quarterbacks maybe it's not maybe not right uh, four, six, eight, two, four, six, seven, three. Do have a, I actually just recently drafted this one, two, six, 11, one team. So I guess that would be your like getting nuts, but I don't view those necessarily as getting nuts. So like this team, it's one team and it is an elite tight end, probably Travis Kelsey, um, with some early running backs, Travis Kelsey, and probably some early running backs. And, you know, weak wide receivers. So we just went loaded up on wide receivers and said, ah, we're just going to go solo Kelsey. I think I actually posted this team to Twitter. Um, so I'd have to go back and check, but that would be what someone would maybe consider going wild, but I don't consider that going wild. Um, it is maybe straying away from what your standard construction would be. So I think to answer that first question, 
there are some teams where I, in 150 max, you'll see me doing that. I'll do, I'll make, I'll sprinkle in a little bit of solo Kelsey, right? You see here a couple of one tight end teams. It's probably Kelsey. Um, uh, uh, two, eight, nine, one, right? So like a zero running back team with, with just Travis Kelsey at, at tight end. That's probably straying away from your standard constructions. Um, here's a fun one, right? Two, three, 12, three. So take three running backs to start, um, two decent quarterbacks, and then you're just all wide receivers and tight ends the rest of the way. However, I don't consider those personally getting nuts. I would consider those pushing the standard constructions to the extremes, right? Because the, the the couple of those were just like, do I do I attach Hayden Hurst to my Travis Kelsey team or just take another wide receiver? That's really not, you know, so, okay, I'm taking a zero in Kelsey's bye week and maybe there's a couple of weeks where Kelsey doesn't have a monster week that are that's hurting me. But not really, right? Like, generally speaking, not really. Um, so it's just kind of taking those standard constructions a little bit more to the extremes, right? The 2-3-12-3 three, three thing is like, okay, you you went, you know, maybe instead of taking the fourth running back, you took a wide receiver, right? I would maybe normally take four running backs on that team. I mean, you see here, 3-4-11-2. Or if I scroll up a little bit, there's probably a, you know, so like 2 5 10 3 is like something more normal that I would do. Obviously, the, the majority of my teams are sitting here in these buckets. 2-6-10-2, on DraftKings. Again, these are 20 rounds. So that's kind of where I live. And then just, just kind of tweaking and moving the chess pieces around to the different positional buckets a little bit. But not getting nuts. What I think some people will do is they, they feel like, oh, I've drafted so many teams. I got to go crazy. Like, I'm sick of drafting the same ones, but I got to get crazy. I'm going to draft a five-quarterback team, or I'm going to draft six straight running backs to start the draft and still take more, or I'm going to draft three elite tight ends, or, you know, I'm going to do something that is technically different and unique, but getting unique for the sake of getting unique or getting nuts for the sake of getting nuts is not helping you win at all it's just making you i guess like feel excited again because you're bored about drafting the same teams all the time but what what people tend to forget is in any given tournament even if you honestly draft hundreds or into the four figures of best ball teams not dollars teams thousand teams you will be surprised at how many combinations of players you do not get how many stacks you do not get or how few of them you get that you'll look back when the season starts and you'll say, damn it. Why did I do that? Silly Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts team when I could, because now I don't have, we just did this yesterday on the show that I did the draft IQ show where I pulled up. I'm two of my highest exposure running backs on DraftKings. We can see it over here. Saquon Barkley. And uh, I believe Deandre Swift, he might Swift might even be higher. Um, so I have 17% Swift and 25% Saquon, two of my highest exposure players. I only have two teams out of 150 that even have them together. And they're both, I mean, they're both second round picks. So that's why, but I didn't go out of my way enough. I did it twice, but I didn't go out of my way enough to get them together. And so you, I, in my opinion, instead of like going nuts to your point and like doing something that's just like totally crazy and honestly, like probably minus EV in the tournament. 
just to be different, I would go through and do some of those things instead because the 150 bullets that you have into the tournament is less than you think. Everybody thinks like, oh, it's just one or two teams. But you'll you'll you if you investigate your portfolio, you'll always go back and say, damn, I actually don't have enough of that combination, you know, or I don't have enough of that structure. Maybe I wanted more zero running back. Maybe I wanted more elite quarterback or whatever. And you don't get it because you punted off some of those teams that you just didn't need to punt off, but um, you wanted to feel something. You know, we we all want to we wanted to feel something when. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, one one forty nine. Uh, good point. Um, all right, I think we covered that one. Let's see. Yeah, glad to see uh, somebody else got uh, beat up pretty good on Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, this I uh, I posted uh, day one uh, a BBM team, which was which was was pretty fun. Um, I can pull it up just so people can see talking strategy about you know not. You don't have to take this into account when you're drafting teams later, but it is like semi um, important to kind of think about. I'm trying to think of who the best player to search for is probably James Cook. I don't think I have a ton of James Cook. Um, so if I look at James Cook, right. So I have three, I have three teams. I drafted this team here at the over here um, on day one of best ball mania three. And if you recall, day one was particularly funny because uh, <laughs> they didn't have ADPs for some of the rookies and they were using old ADPs for a lot of guys who had risen up. And I just decided, so I drafted from the third spot and actually got Jonathan Taylor third. And then it was just one of those rooms where sometimes you get lucky, you know? So I take, I took Javante, but then I get CD, you know, at the three Oh three, which is funny now when you look, we look back at that, right? And then you look at just some of these other values, Miles Sanders, 15. So you can see the difference in his current ADP and where I got him. You know, more than a round ahead of ADP. Rashad White, almost four rounds ahead of his ADP. James Cook, 70 picks, um, or after, excuse me, after current ADP. CD around, DJ Moore around, Mike Williams, almost four rounds. Gabe Davis, almost three rounds. Cortland Sutton, 60 picks different. From his current ADP, Rondale Moore, a little bit canceled out by these two scrubs and Alberto, but Sky Moore in the 18th round, 123 picks after where he currently goes. <laughs> and even uh, even old, old Bobby Tanya in two rounds, right? So there was just like so much screaming value that happened to fall to me. And I kind of pushed my limits on like the sky thing. I kind of wanted to see if it would work out this way, <laughs> just to, just to, I'm making fun of the people who are drafting just to feel something. I was clearly drafting just to feel something with pushing sky more to the 18th round um, and James Cook to, to 171. But from a strategy perspective, it is somewhat important to understand in best ball mania, a little bit less so in the DraftKings Millie Maker, but when you have these tournaments that are open for the whole summer and you have some of these nuances and these players were going four, five, six rounds after where they're going now, right? Trey Lance is making his way on up to the 60s in ADP and he was going at you know 110 or whatever back then. We're talking four to five rounds of movement on players. Um, it is important to, to keep those things into into account as we build out the rest of our teams. Um, and yes, the, the, this one that I just talked about was BBM, obviously, as, as you saw, but the exposure I was 
walking through before, like with the Swift Saquon thing, um, was the DraftKings Millie Maker. Um, Dark, Dark Sheep says, I'm thinking about becoming a snipe the QB, the person is stacking right next to me. Person. There seems to be a lot of people that like to do that. Thoughts? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of people that that like to do that. I can't ever make any make heads or tails out of it, but um, there is a few things more tilting than that. So there's a perfect point of to uh, uh, Kiz's original question, like, oh, do I get crazy on some teams? No, because a, you're just gonna screw up. You're gonna have auto picks. You're gonna, you know, your internet's gonna go bad or whatever. You're gonna have some teams that aren't as good as you want them to be anyway. And then you're going to have some teams that didn't work out like you wanted them to. You set up that beautiful Bengals stack and some asshole in the sixth round who doesn't have a single Bengal on his team or a single bill. It's like, I'm going to take Joe Burrow. And now you're, you're with a team that you don't like as much. So um, I'm very anti like punting off teams, doing crazy stuff given, you know, if we could all, if we could all draft, you know, if it was a, the quarter arcade or something like that. And we could, uh, you know, a quarter entry and we could draft hundreds of teams or something like that. Then maybe it's a little different, but given the constructs we're in right now, uh, that one, I feel pretty strongly about, um, Johnny says, I've been doing three team super stacks on DraftKings. My crazy thinking behind it is at least one of them will really hit and the other will complement, but let all three battle it out all year. I actually don't mind this at all. I think it's a little bit better for, um, which I wrote about in the uh, playbook for, excuse me, small field, small field type stuff on, on DraftKings. Let me... Uh... I'm too zoomed in. My menu's not working because I'm too zoomed in. Um, when I go to the blessed, there we go. Uh, DraftKings single entry in small field. I wrote a little bit about this and how I think it's not only like interesting, I think it's pretty darn like strong in uh, now, you know, exactly how much do you want to super stack so that you see team stacks, right? Um, final round so much smaller you know we don't have to totally hit the nuts I mean when, when we get to week 17 of the like the five dollar milli maker with a thousand people in it it's a, pretty much of a of a different game but with as you see very small amount of teams in these final rounds of basically every other tournament on on DraftKings we can do some of those things like Johnny's talking about and like not only can we just like crush in our you know if you just super stack the bucks and the bills last year or something like that or even like the rams um i'm trying to think of like some other teams that the chiefs are not really a great super stack team but i guess if you somehow got hill and kelsey and daryl williams or something um but you know what i mean like you get those those really great offenses and you super stack them up the packers even were a pretty good one you can just crush through the regular season and then because of the structure of the tournament being like, okay, you got to get out of your 12-team league, but then it's like beat six people in the first round of the playoffs, beat eight people in the second round of the playoffs, and then the final round is like 10. It's like, you know, 10 players. I think I have, uh, I might have a couple of the, yeah. So like, uh, let me zoom. Like this one is the $12 single entry, right? So beat 12 people, 12 people, 12 people, and then the final is just 22 people. The even better one is as you move up in stakes a little bit here, we see uh, a $200 single entry, right? Advance, 
in the top two of your 12 team league, then it finished top two out of six in the, in the, in the second round, then finish first out of six in the third round. And then you have just a 10 man final and it's 50 grand to first place. Like that's a, it, not only is it like what Johnny's saying, like an interesting way to play those, those specific contests. I think it like might be like kind of optimal to do something like that. Um, Ross says, sorry, let me get my water. Ross says, what are your thoughts on getting two tw- top 12 QBs on the same team with viable pass catchers? Of course. Yeah. With viable pass catchers. He, Ross was very smart to make sure and say, he's like, I'm not drafting a robust team when I'm doing this, please. Please make sure you know that. I think it's more than fine. Um, it's actually something. It's a great bullet point for how we have to assess every year differently. Last year, this was trickier to pull off, right? So um, I need to just leave this damn screen share up. I don't know why I keep uh, taking taking it down, but um, way too zoomed in. Good Lord. Um, if I go... If I go to the underdog tiers, tiered rankings, let's look at the top 12 quarterbacks, just top 10, top 12, whatever. Let's look at those those quarterbacks, and we can kind of see, you know, what type of talent we're talking about at quarterback. So from Josh Allen down to Matthew Stafford, actually like a really perfect uh, top 12 is a really good choice here. You could go top 10 down to like Brady and Lance, but top 12 works. If you get beyond there, you get into Rogers, Carr, uh, Jones, Fields, Tua, etc. Cousins, who like they're okay, but they're they're the top 12 is definitely kind of a tier of its own if we assume Matthew Stafford's healthy. But last year, if you moved away from both wide receiver and running back, or you wanted an elite tight end, right? If you tried to start double dipping in those top these guys all go in the top 10 rounds if you wanted to uh, even higher a lot of the time Stafford's started to fall a little bit but in the top nine to ten rounds if you wanted to take two quarterbacks you were going to probably be locking yourself out of the upside you needed at running back wide receiver tight end and now maybe you can do the late round tight end thing you can do zero running back but the way the wide receiver craze went and then just the lack of every year from a running back perspective of players outside of the top 10 rounds or so that are like monster upside. Again, there's like contingent value running backs, right? But from a tight end perspective, there's no monster upside guys outside of those rounds. And the running backs are obviously mostly contingent value bets in those rounds. And then wide receiver, just the absolute superstars just don't really exist there and we didn't have these pockets of the draft that we have this year where you're gonna fall into what rounds um it'll happen in round six seven eight nine ten now where you're staring down the barrel at like hunter renfro josh jacobs maybe david montgomery slips aj Dillon, michael thomas used to go here doesn't go here anymore deandre hopkins um and like there's some receivers and running backs that are fine in that range right but it's like Miles Sanders, 
the Patriots running backs are like kind of there. Damian Harrison, Ramondre, who I and I like I I like all these guys. I like Brandon Ayuk. I like the rookies, Traylon Burks and Drake London, whatever. But you're not in a spot where, like, if I don't take one of these guys, the next tier is dead. I'm screwed. Um, and so I have been doing more of like Kyler Murray and Russ. Now I'm not doing like Mahomes, Lamar. Because I think those guys go in the tier where there is still, if we look over in, uh, again, these are our tiered ranks. This is not 80, excuse me, this is not ADP. But um, actually, I can pull up ADP. Let's go to ADP by round um, and look at a, at a specific round. Uh, go to NFL. Let's look at underdog. And let's look at what, what round are we talking about? Seven. Let's go to round seven. So a perfect example. So Russ. Russ, right, we go to round seven. I took Kyler in the sixth, let's just say. I took Kyler in the sixth. Or I took whatever, Lamar, Mahomes, who, whoever. I come to the seventh round on underdog, and I say, hmm. <laughs> Hunter Renfro, Kadarius Tony, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Devonta Smith, who I like. You'll see it's higher in the rankings. Alan Lazard. Tony Pollard, of course, I like Christian Kirk and Brandon Ayuk, or I can get Russ, I can get Brady, I can get Burrow here, and I might already have a Broncos wide receiver. I might already have Evans or Godwin. I might already have Higgins or Chase, right? And now I got the elite quarterbacks, and I'm not sacrificing anyone in this range that is like that. You're like killing yourself that you missed out on right this was like debo last year <laughs> you know this was debo range last year um and i don't think that that exists here again i like i like some of these guys some more than others and some of them fit certain structures etc right i have a good clip of tony pollard if a good clip of miles sanders i like miles sanders i like devonta smith i like brandon Ayuk, christian kirk um i know rob likes um, some people have made a case for Hunter Renfro. If you do like Alan Lazard, there's reasons for these guys, but no one here is just like, man, if I don't get them, I'm going to be locked out of wide receiver because you, then you go to like, right, let's go to round eight. We go to round eight and it's like, well, now we get to the rookie wide receivers, right? There's Olave, there's MVS, Sky, Traylon, right? We get to round eight and it's like, if I didn't get Hunter Renfro, I think I'll be okay with Chris Olave or Traylon Burks. Or Sky Moore, you know, but it's like okay, Dak is now in this this tier, right? Well, well, there's there's Stafford or whatever, but I think this is a a very very unique thing, and I'm glad you asked that, Ross, because it's not something that I really would have considered, um, or I really would have thought I'd be saying now at this point. But the market has really shifted into this weird range where like that seventh, eighth, ninth. Let's look at the ninth the the ninth round ADP here. Um yeah, so I mean, geez, look at the ninth. <laughs> Zach Ertz, Claypool, Cook, Lockett, Dawson Knox, Damian Harris, Russell Gage, Robert Woods. Is there anybody there that you're like, I can't take Stafford over? Or or if like Dak falls, I can't take them over these guys. You know, so it though it's not it's not like I go in saying I got to get two top 12 quarterbacks. I'm definitely taking two guys in the top nine rounds, 
But if it works out that way, I have I, I have done it and I, I'm doing it more frequently than I thought, honestly, I ever really would because of uh, these dynamics. Rob says, should I try to stack as much as possible or stack? Should we try to stack as much as possible or stack um, stack our QBs or both? as long as we don't so stack um stack the 1v1 meaning um like week 17 correlation like stack um uh, a week 17 game basically i think is what is what you're asking um or like load up your your quarterbacks with the pass catchers or do both um the answer is definitely both but it's not you don't you don't reach we talked about this on tuesday as well i really recommend checking out the the tuesday show nfl but it's titled nfl best ball basics myself and rob um and we actually covered this a little bit for quite a while at the start but it is basically when you start the draft it's like a decision tree right there's a hierarchy to your decisions and you start with like a projection and a ranking and so you have your rankings. I was just showing you that it, it was our tiers, our positional tiers, but we have rankings. Those, that's where I start. When I come on the clock, I look at my rankings. You know, theoretically, I'm picking the, the you know, setting aside everything else, I'm picking the highest player on that list. But there are other things down below on that decision tree. Roster construction, like we've talked about. Right. If if I have seven running backs, you know, if I took three running backs to start and I get to the fourth round and the highest ranking player is a running back on me, I need to knock him down and start looking to the other positions. It's a similar thing for stacking both week 17 and uh, like you mentioned, stacking with your quarterbacks. When I draft Joe Burrow, the Bengals players get a boost within my rankings. Right. Not like a huge boost. It's a, it's a really slight boost. So when I reach, I, I don't take Tyler Boyd. If I have guys projected in like tiers ahead, just because I have Joe Burrow. But if I reach a tier where all these guys are the same, that correlation now tr- makes him trump those other guys in that tier, right? I reach whatever, whatever tier Tyler Boyd is in. Um, Let's go to Tyler Boyd. Okay, we get to tier six. Oh, perfect example of this this tier, right? I've drafted Joe Burrow. Maybe I've drafted Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, and I get to this tier of the draft: Chase Claypool, Russell Gage, MVS, Amari, and MT, and Tony are probably gone. But you know, so these guys are are around here in this tier. There's Russell Gage's on the board and Chase Claypool's on the board and Tyler Boyd's on the board. They're all in the same tier. As you see, I actually have Boyd behind those guys, oddly enough. But the the correlation, because I've drafted Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd gets a boost. He moves up here ahead of these guys, right? Because on this team, that correlation makes him more impactful within a flat tier. And so it's balancing those things. We definitely want... Stacking is extremely important, but we want to do it in a smart manner. I don't want to just force all the correlated players into my lineup together. I want to do it when it makes sense, and I'm not sacrificing upside based on how I have the players projected and ranked. 
Let's see here. Modog says, I like the idea of at times only take one at a position. Gutsy, but might might be worth a try from time to time. I definitely um, like it uh, at the tight end position a little bit. Like if you get your Kelsey Andrews pits, I don't really like it that much a ton with Waller and Kittle. I think they're in a fairly different tier. Um, Kelsey's the best one to do it with for sure, obviously, because you're all, you know, there are going to be weeks, of course, that you lose out on, uh, you know, five or 10 points or something like that at the, at the tight end position. But like how many times, probably not very many Travis Kelsey's not having very many games where he scores two points. And then in that week, not only do you need Travis Kelsey to have like that total floor week, you need the guy that you were probably taking in like the 17th round to score such a meaningful amount of points that you care. And then you obviously have the bye week, which is the same thing. People are so disingenuous about those single tight end. They're like, I can't have the same bye week for those guys because I'm missing out on 15 points. Like what fucking tight end are you drafting? Like, who, what 17th round tight end are you drafting with Travis Kelsey that is getting you 15 points? Only two tight ends averaged 15 points a game last year or zero. It's like you're missing out on like four or five points. You're praying for 10, but you're probably missing out on like five points. So like, that's, that's why I'm, 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 I'm I don't really do it at quarterback. Um, I do think it's viable at quarterback, but I don't personally choose to do it i just don't think i need to get that fancy but at tight end you know depending on how your draft goes like the one that i was talking about with my solo travis kelsey team on DraftKings, i took travis kelsey then i didn't my rb1 was melvin gordon <laughs> so for that team getting to like eight running backs was really important i needed all the dart throws i just needed everybody to get me points at running back Losing out on that six to 10 points in PPR at that tight end position for one week, that's not going to make or break me. But finding, you know, last year, Sony Michelle or Rashad Penny or Devin Singletary, that is going to make or break me. And so it's a balancing act from um, each team. Yeah, David says, <laughs> don't know if it makes me a donkey, but I never go into a draft with a plan for a certain structure. It all depends on how the first couple rounds go if anything falls into my lap. Definitely. Totally, totally agree. As Hacker says, that makes you a sharp, a sharp drafter. Uh, Mo Dog usually see how the first two to three rounds go and plan from there. Sometimes I have an intention, but make sure to stay flexible. Yeah, uh, I think everyone. There are times where you probably have an intention. You know what I mean? You like you you. I do this. I I, I just recently wrote. If you haven't read it, um, I just wrote uh, an undrafted tight end strategy piece. It's on it's the, it's the headline article on the website. And uh, so I've been a little, you know, that consumed my mind for a couple of days as I was writing it and thinking about it and, and testing it out and stuff in drafts. And so you do like maybe have a little bit of a t- in, intent on on doing that. Um, but even then, there were a couple of t- couple times where I'm like, I'm going to do this because I want to try it out because I'm writing about it. And then Kyle Pitts falls to me and like at like the 402 or something. <laughs> and I and I can't help myself. But uh, but to take them. God damn it. And trying to research for this article and but that goes to the point right like you can set out to try to have some intent and think about um some different strategies and stuff but if the draft falls in a certain way right 
I love Kyle Pitts. He's one of my favorite players in the entire player pool this year. So if he falls to me, I'm not, I'm, I'm happy to abandon that idea that I had. Um, okay. I know I'm a little behind on the comments. I promise you I will catch up. <laughs> Please. Starkindler says, wasn't there a very recent blurb on Vaughn that had him as the second right now? Probably because they're holding Rashad White back, but please don't, don't tease me. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't dangle the, the, the carrot in front of me and make me think that my 47% Keyshawn Vaughn in the big board <laughs> is like not totally, totally dead. Love this question. Hacker says, at what point do you get different with early round combos? It's much easier to try in tournaments that are not open for long. Yep. First thing I was going to say, but it has to be really important in these huge tournaments. Exactly. There are two different like points to this, right? Where we can do it easiest and it it is more um I want to say instant leverage. That's obviously not the exact right word, but you probably get what I'm saying. I can like guarantee the leverage in the puppy three that's only open for a week or two weeks or whatever, because I just know ADP is just not going to shift, particularly on those first few rounds enough to where I can't project like, you know, low ownership or whatever you want to call it on certain combinations at the early parts of the draft. So it's more projectable, I, I would say, in the, you know, the puppies or whatever. Or like when DraftKings opens a single entry contest, that's the same thing. Like sometimes a $100, $200 single entry lasts a few days <laughs> on, on DraftKings. And so you do know um, there's a little bit different quirks to DraftKings, of course. But you do know within those contests that fill more quickly that you can like be more intentional about it and it's it's – kind of more of a certainty. However, from a pure like raw leverage perspective, it's more impactful having unique combinations in the big tournaments, right? Um, more people we have to beat means more leverage we need, more levers we need to pull to, to when I got to pass half a million people <laughs> as opposed to 50,000 or 100,000, you know, I need a lot more things to go my way. And so um, I haven't forced a ton in best ball mania of getting different early combos. That being said, I have not, I, I'm not even halfway done with my BBM teams. I wanted to be halfway before um, camp got here. I just, it just didn't happen. Um, I'm at like 57 teams. So I haven't forced it much yet. Because I have kind of stopped drafting BBM for the very short period of time here. So um, for like, if you were to look at my portfolio, there isn't a, there isn't a ton. I've done it a couple of times. I'll do it with CD lamb a little bit in the, the late, the late second round. And so what I will say is in tournaments like um, the puppy, I'm absolutely intentionally, doing some of these things. I, I still want to get, you know, I don't want to fade the best picks just to fade the best picks. But like, for instance, I know hackers really on Saquon as am I, as are a lot of uh, people that I know. And if you're really on Saquon, I want to figure out ways to get Saquon with everybody up there. So I'm going to be very intentional about it in the puppy and stuff, because like you say, you can pretty much predict where Saquon's going to go for the whole thing. 
and I don't have to think of too much about it. In Best Ball Mania, it's different beast, right? Saquon was going in like the middle of the third round. Now he's probably going to get up to the one-two turn by the time it closes. So I don't force it too much early on. I think there are certain situations and certain players we can be intentional about it. CeeDee Lamb was actually one of them. Like when you think about CeeDee Lamb uh, or players like him or, or try to identify players like him, it's like think about what would have to happen for him to rise or fall in ADP. It's like he, there's like no scenario in which he's like going to surpass Diggs and Devontae in ADP. Like, I guess maybe Devontae he could pass, but like at that point, it's still only a couple spots of ADP. He's never going to pass Diggs. He's obviously never going to pass Kelsey and um, uh, the superstar wide receivers. So there's not much upward momentum. It's just really a couple running backs he could pass. And then downward, who's going in front of him? Debo? Evans, T, like that market's not going to put T at the one, two turn and chase at the one six or five or whatever. So you think about those kinds of players and I'll be intentional about doing with them. Do Saquon CD is a great one. It's like, you know, uh, actually in BBM, Saquon's not, not a good one. Let's, let's say Swift C or right guys that go in that Swift is another one, but at the running back position, not easy for him to, fall too far again just because of the profile that he is and the, the the type of drafter that likes deandre swift but he also is just not going to get you know a part-time running back on the detroit lions it's just not going to get to like the 108 or whatever and so thinking through the types of players i'm more willing to do it in best ball mania and so at what point do i do it i'm very deliberate about the types of players i would do it for early in the season and then or early in the draft season and then later on, if you've been drafting all summer, right, we're going to get in, a, in a, a week or two, two, three weeks, definitely at the end of August or early September, obviously, we're going to be so close to the end that we've, we pretty much know the ADP uh, ranges for everyone. A, we can look them up. We were just looking at some of the ADP tools that we have. You can look up the ADP that every single player has been at, but you can also just know it from having, from having drafted and, and start to identify those later in the, in the draft season. Um, two, 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 two. Let's see. Um, yeah, I guess the puppy's about to fill soon. Absolutely, do not. We're not doing this. Um, the cup JJ, the cup JJ thing is is very funny because I like. Uh, I I I made a tweet uh, for anyone that didn't see it. I made a tweet about that. I think it's wild. That Jay, that Justin Jefferson has passed Cup in ADP, and it's not because it, it literally I, I couldn't love Justin Jefferson more. I absolutely fucking love Justin Jefferson. I have I have tried to to take him at times, maybe even ahead of Cup because I wanna I wanna have a stand on 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 Justin Jefferson. No one needs to sell me on Justin Jefferson. My take was, we are in a market until August of last year refused to like not take every running back under the sun in the first three or four rounds. Right. We couldn't even get wide receivers into the first round. Nonetheless, the wide receiver who had the greatest fantasy season, like of all time of modern NFL history, the dude has had, you know, uh, I believe Gretsch was the one who uh, I, I heard had the best wide receiver fantasy season since 2000. Since 2000 had the best wide receiver fantasy season. And now, Justin Jefferson's going ahead of him. Like the it's that's crazy. That's crazy. 
I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm not even saying it doesn't make sense. I'm saying it's crazy when you line up all those things, especially when you think about the fact that it's because people are saying Justin Jefferson is getting the uh, a McVeigh coach. Cup has fucking McVeigh <laughs> and a better quarterback. And it's like, and he just did that. We're like, well, Je- Jefferson's going to be Cup. But th- if he's going to be Cup, like, th- doesn't that say the Cup's pretty good too? And he- And he's already done it? You know, I love Jefferson. So it's just funny that the market is and and we pick and choose the market, right? Picks and chooses when they say this, this like the whole skate, skate to where the puck is going is so funny because I like to use it. Um, but it's like, yeah, but not everybody does that. Not everybody's not everybody, like not every situation, you know, people like Joe Mixon. Why the fuck does Joe Mixon go with the one-two turn? No one's skating to where the puck is going on Joe Mixon. It's the opposite. The the team has told us Joe Mixon is not going to play third downs and he's going to be a part-time running back. Last night, if you watch ship chasing, Sean Siegel called Joe Mixon like a fourth round pick. And nobody's saying shit about Joe Mixon. He's not falling. The market hasn't figured that one out yet. Right. But we're but we're dropping Cooper Cup. We're not dropping Joe Mixon. We're not dropping Derrick Henry. But we're dropping Cooper Cup. It's crazy. Crazy market we, we're, we're in now. Um, let's see. All right. Sorry. I'm, I'm so far behind on the... So far behind on the chat. I miss the, I miss the bots. I miss the bots. Sorry, guys. Um, do, do, do. Let's... Let's see here. Consigliere says, and I apologize if I missed uh, any of your any of your questions. Ask them again, or um, I'm a little behind on the chat. Consigliere says, "What are any slash all the playoff tournament quarterbacks you're willing to do?" Ooh, good question. You're willing to do unstacked? I have a Hertz Lance team. I plan on leaving unstacked, except for <laughs> Quez. Quez last pick. You can also take Danny Gray or Jawan Jennings in the last round too, if you want to stack either of them. Um, I think. It's a great question. I'm open to um, unstacked quarterbacks. Hertz, Lance, um, and probably some of the shitty guys. Daniel Jones. I'm open to Daniel Jones, Hertz, Lance. I think Kyler and Lamar. Lamar for sure. For sure Lamar. Kyler is... um, kind of on the fence i'd be on the fence about kyler and outside of that i really like i guess it's more so about the guys if i draft tom brady matthew stafford aaron Rodgers, Derek carr which i don't draft those guys very much Derek carr um justin fields i'd be happy to have unsacked it's more so about i want to make sure patrick mahomes i'm absolutely stacking patrick mahomes um, Josh Allen is so expensive that even though he's an awesome runner, I would absolutely make sure I have him stacked, even if I got to do, you know, RIP Jamison Crowder at the end or Khalil Shakir or something like that. I would still opt to do so. Um, but the one thing I will say is I'm okay having the Trey Lance and the the Jalen Hurts of the world unstacked, but I still want them stacked. And it's because even if you're, even if you, are rushing a ton like I do. I mean, and I think Hertz and Lance is like peak, peak value is coming from their rushing. 
even if you are rushing a ton, if you're going to go win me a turn, like they're not going to run for a hundred yards and three touchdowns and not throw. Like it's just generally not how, you know, football plays out for a quarterback. Is it possible? Sure. I guess, but Lamar Lance hurts would be the guys that I would be okay doing it. And, and like I said, Daniel Jones, but his is more so because he's cheap and runs and is a shitty thrower. But I still kind of want to have a, a partner with those with those guys because the true ceiling is unlocked with the passing and the rushing combined. Now, I skinny stack those guys most of the time. Lamar hurts Lance. I skinny stack them most of the time. And so to your point on your uh, example here, I, I would be fine having Hertz, Quez, Lance, Danny Gray, or Juwan Jennings or whatever. Um, or like, I mean, Lance Ayuk is probably one of my <laughs> highest, highest exposure stacks across all, all of all of best ball for that, that reason. Um, but I do still think you want to have, if possible, you want to have the uh, one partner in the stack that uh, can really raise that ceiling because then it's just one less thing you got to get right. Right. Trey Lance throws three touchdowns. Two of them go to Brandon. Ayuk. He has a hundred yards and two touchdowns in the final and Lance runs for two Lance is the highest scorer and Ayuk is making your team and helping you win $2 million. Um, all right. I missed. Uh, the other question from Consigliere is obviously week 17 um, is important, but I'm doing 20 in the puppies and the minis. Is week 16 better as a gets get there, gets gets you paid to build your bankroll? Um, it's always a difficult question. Uh, I know some people are more into week 16 than I am, and I totally get the the point. You know, uh, Osmo put out an article that up. Uh, based on some basic math that he ran week 16 uh, a point in week 16 was just ever so slightly more valuable to your expected value uh, than a point in week 17 which I get Um, but I I think I think you can have your cake and eat it too basically is is what I'm saying you like what he also said like people have cited that um, article a good clip and he didn't say that week 17 isn't important he just said that week 16 might be undervalued basically um and i think that that's more than that's it's, it's a very reasonable uh you know math equation to run to run through your head the the difference is that to be frank if i were trying to the, the best way to build a bankroll is a big finish you're getting to you know uh even getting to the final like especially on uh you know the puppies and DraftKings and stuff like that and like the DraftKings millie from a raw dollar perspective is really very small you can lose money making the final um and so it's a it's one of those things where if you really want to build a bankroll like it, it's kind of like i come from a dfs background right um, I still I still do DFS work for Roto Grinders. Um, if you play DFS, NFL DFS, uh, I host this, the the final Sunday morning show on Roto Grinders, um, uh, eleven thirty Eastern. But 
I come from that DFS space and how, how, how I built my bankroll, how everyone I knew built their bankroll wasn't like men cashing at a high rate, which is basically what the week 16 thing is saying. Get me there. Get me, give me that, give me across the min cash and then I'll see what happens. What, 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 where you, how you get there is the big score. You build the bankroll from the big score. Now that's tougher in best ball because right DFS, we can do every day or every week, depending upon the sport. But in best ball, at least luckily now we do have a lot more options. We have a ton of tournaments, right? Even at lower stakes, we have a ton of tournaments that we can play um, across multiple sites. You know, we don't really do FF, FFPC here, but there is FFPC. There's cash games. If you really want to build a bankroll through best ball, you can play cash games, but go on FanDuel, Yahoo, or something like that and play cash games. Um, but if I'm playing tournaments, the way you build your bankroll is finishing high. And and that and that means week 17 is very important. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Fuck off, Tony. Just hit first. Just get first. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy. Uh let's see lundar says say you have a medium best ball budget maybe 2k would you play fewer of the 25 dollars plus contests like bbm or try to max things like the dk millie and the puppies or just personal preference yeah it's definitely personal preference so i want to start there 100 percent, it's personal preference however i would push people and this is funny because again i just talked about i'm uh glad i came to this question because again i come from the dfs space and where i built my bankroll in dfs is not the lower stakes stuff i I, i'm not a good multi-entry player in in dfs um i built my game around playing in smaller field higher stakes tournaments and so i'm actually playing in the stuff against you know the best players in the world, the luxury box and the wildcat and the those kinds of the you know the silver slugger and baseball and all that and you know playing those contests, which in turn means I'm playing against the best players in the world. But I spent my entire time like kind of being able to predict what they do better, and then um, had some had some wins in the smaller field stuff. And so I've, from the DFS side of things, been more of a less lineups, uh, smaller field type thing. In best ball, I would do the opposite. I think it's a very different game um, than DFS. And if I were, if I were trying to a enjoy, <laughs> enjoy my two thousand dollar best ball budget or two hundred dollar best ball budget. I want to have as many teams as possible because you have a lot of different takes and you only get one season to see them play out, right? In DFS, it's like if I go into week one and I'm like, we're rolling Chiefs Cardinals stack, baby, and it fails, I could play showdown on Sunday night. I could play showdown on Monday night. I get the next, I get the week two slate in six days. Like it's 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 not a big deal, you know, if I if I whiff in best ball, it's like if I only draft a couple of teams and they whiff. Because I, I like to take stands, and Tony's in the chat. He's one of the bigger stand takers, and it worked out pretty well for him. Won, you know, seven figures last year. Liam did the same thing and won seven figures last year. I like to take stands and stuff, so I want to have uh, more shots. I want to have more shots at it, um, and so I would be doing the the DK Millie. You know, the DK Millie is a really good one to give yourself 
$5, you know, for $750 or, or you don't have to max it, you know, for $500 out of that 2000, get a shot at a million dollars against really soft competition. That's, that, that's what I would do. And that would be my lottery ticket type stuff. And then I would do the puppies and I probably do the $2 on drafters and stuff like that. Right. Um, the, the 20 maxes on DraftKings. I would do those kinds of things and just like get as many teams as possible because if you have an edge, even if you're only spending X amount of dollars, if you, if you have an edge, I want to get as many teams to build up that edge over as, as possible. Would it be wild if Cup had another uh, season like last year? No, no, it would not. If it, if, he, if the reason that Justin Jefferson is going to be better, I, I I don't argue that Justin Jefferson is better than Cooper Cup. Actually, I kind of think he is better than than Cooper Cup, but it's like by a thin margin, um, relatively speaking. And so if the reason that Justin Jefferson is so valuable is because he's really good and he's now in the Cooper Cup role, wouldn't that mean that, yes, of course, Cooper Cup can do what he did again? Because we're drafting Justin Jefferson because of what Cooper Cup did. Um. Let's see here. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason baseball is all home runs and strikeout strikeouts these days. Cheers. Cheers, Lundar. Um, Chief X says, if Lamar scored to the quarterback, uh, naked quarterback question, if Lamar scores outside of Andrews and Bateman, it's most likely his legs. So I feel you don't really miss. Um, only thing I would say is that that's what we project to be the most likely right now. Um, but NFL seasons don't always work out like that. Um, I actually am going to take a good clip of Isaiah Likely um, as a late round undrafted tight end. I started really smashing him at the end of DraftKings drafts. And um, I, I really wish I had more. I think uh, there's absolutely a reason that um, he's getting hype. I think he's a talented football player and he could absolutely score two touchdowns uh, at the tight end position and, and being at the tight end position is like even more valuable. And then he has the crazy contingent upside. If something were to happen to, uh, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even realize this Quan. really, really good, good catch. I didn't, I didn't realize I, uh, you know, punned, punned the likely thing, but uh, I, I do, I do really like likely because I think he's just at the tight end position uh, offers value and then has crazy contingent value. If Mark Andrews, right. If, if Andrews and Bateman are not healthy, it's not going to be them. And it doesn't have to be just Lamar's legs without him. I also like James Prochet. Maybe you prefer Devin Duvernay or Tylen Wallace. I prefer, I prefer Prochet, but uh, you know, it could absolutely, they could catch Prochet could catch a bomb or two from Lamar. Same thing with Duvernay. You know, so um, I wouldn't lock myself into just those guys because we project them to be, uh, you know, the the volume hogs in in the offense. Um, two years ago, KJ Hamler had, had like two for ninety and two or whatever um, in week sixteen that got or week fifteen it was then that got uh, Justin Herzig into the final round of of best ball mania one, which he then obviously won, but he never would have got there without without KJ Hamler and something like that can absolutely happen with one of these guys. Um, plus if the late round guy pops, if the Isaiah likely, if the James Prochet, if the Devin Duvernay pops, right. Maybe they're just a really good player. Like it's absolutely possible that they're just a really good football player. Um, it's not likely, but it, it's, it's possible. 
And if it does, then it just elevates the offense too. And I just want, I, I want that guy. I did, I did. Uh, <laughs> we are, we are getting, we've been talking for too long. Um, I did want to really quick uh, go over a couple of the Twitter questions. I meant to get to these before. I'll try to rapid fire because a couple of people had, had some Twitter questions. My wife, of course, on here asking when she's going to come on, which the answer is never. Uh, Matt says, would love to hear you talk through your view on drafting players after their ADP has jumped. Yeah. Uh, this is always, this might be the most difficult question to answer because there's no real, there's no real true right answer. Um, the first thing I'll say is for me, when we get a, a situation like the Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, thing last year or a, a few years ago we got Tyreek Hill back in the draft days Tyreek Hill was set to be suspended then did not get suspended and uh went from like the 11th and 12th round to the second round those guys I do not draft um that's my personal opinion I think it also matters obviously like now so we're talking right and 50% of best ball mania has uh filled we're to the point where there's been so many entries with guys at certain costs that um, when you get huge, huge, huge leaps, right? 10 rounds, eight rounds um, that I, I don't think, I don't think we should draft those guys. Someone's going to draft them. Um, I'm going to let, I'm going to let other people draft them. Hopefully I have, hopefully I've gotten my shares. The reason that you draft early is because you want to be the guy that got Daryl Henderson in the 13th round. Don't turn around and, and maybe, maybe you didn't, you're like, damn it. I got to get Henderson now. It's like, you just make him a fade. The, the thing that people miss in this conversation is like more often than not, right. We, we joke about the guy you need. He's going to be the guy you need more often than like the likelihood that anyone is the guy you need is so fucking low that like, just make that guy a stand. You're fading him. Like if you didn't draft Daryl Henderson last year and he rose to the fourth round, just don't fucking draft him. And he's. What's the what are the odds that Daryl Henderson like you can't make money in best ball without Daryl Henderson last year? Like they're so slim, it doesn't even matter. So just move on to the next thing. And so the 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 difficult part is not that one. The difficult part is is that um this is a this is definitely a fair a fair point, Rob. Trying to talk through not not drafting Julio. My my not drafting Julio, uh, I really don't honestly don't care about. Um uh, is old. If I lose to Julio, it's fine. Um, now Rob threw me off, threw me off my game. But the, the difficult part is not the guys that jump because of, you know, an injury or something like that. It's the guys that rise just from market sentiment, right? Um, I can't even think. Uh, I guess, you know, rookies, this will happen to rookies sometimes. I actually don't even know who, like, the biggest ADP risers are. Um but you know somebody that rises four rounds or whatever, just because the market uh, preseason hype or whatever, you know, catches some long touchdowns. Marquez Callaway was partially an injury, but I always think of Marquez Callaway last year, right? Lights up the preseason, and and uh, Michael Thomas is out and shoots up to the eighth round or whatever. Um, yeah, also a great point from Hacker. If you uh, faded Henderson there in that fourth round and just spent that spent those picks on Cup. Instead, you probably would have done probably would have done all right. The guys who ADP has jumped like a couple rounds, like I, I don't worry about it. Um, 
I'm not saying that's right. I definitely don't have all the answers. It's a very difficult question to answer. But, uh, you know, if a guy, MVS, Sky Moore, um, Wandale's probably going to move up here, right? Pacheco's going to move up. Those kinds of guys are going to move up. I don't really care. I don't have a great line that I would say like, oh, if he moves up this much, I don't think you should treat it that way. But generally you have a good feel for like, you know, the, it's the Henderson thing of last year. He shoots up <laughs> eight, nine rounds, um, shoots up three rounds or whatever. Even then I don't really care because there's so much other stuff that changes uh, in, in the market, but there's, there's not so much, there's, there's other stuff that changes to offset, you know, the guy that was going in the 13th round going in the 10th or the guy that was going in the 18th going in the 15th, but there's probably not enough to offset the guy going in the 13th going in the fourth, because the more you rise into earlier rounds is more substantial. It is right. And that's kind of the difference is that when you rise from the 13th, like fourth round picks was Cooper cup last year, right? Rising from the 13th to the 10th is like, that's generally like almost like one big old tier anyway, definitely like the 15th and the 18th, you know, that, Oh, he was undrafted. Now he's going in the 15th Romeo Dobbs. He was undrafted. Now he's going in the 15th. Can't take him. Why the fuck that? They're all the same. It's like 15th, 16th, 17th. It doesn't really matter. But when you rise from those rounds to the fourth, fifth round, like now you're now you have to take them over Lamar Jackson, <laughs> not over Daniel Jones, right? So it's kind of that is how I, is how I tend tend to think about it. Um, who I, I'm interested in you guys' question. Uh, let's go, well, let's do that one last. Let's do Jenks Jenks' question last. We're gonna avoid my my wife's question. Oh, and then uh, <laughs> from Nick, how badly will people overdraft Pierre Strong with the James White news? I mean, I hope not. I, I, Pierre Strong, I think, is the very last running back um, in my rankings. I might bump him up a, a little bit, but like, I'm not really interested in him or Timot. Honestly, I guess Timot. We talked about this in Discord a little bit today. Timot is a guy who I think you can draft on DraftKings. You can for sure draft on Drafters late, but um, some people were kind of pitching that he has a little more upside than maybe I'm seeing. I don't, I don't see it uh, as far as I know that they still have. Damian, Ramondre, Pierre Strong, and Kevin Harris on the team. So, like, Taimont's not ever going to be an, a goal linebacker. He's not ever – they may ne never give him a carry, you know? And and that's okay because, you know, he can catch some passes in the James White thing. And I really like Mac Jones, but, like, we're, we're, we're remembering James White because he played with Tom Brady. Ty Montgomery is a not as good as James White and B not playing with Tom fucking Brady <laughs> on Super Bowl champion Patriots teams. So uh, just not I'm just not very interested in, in the James White and uh, the, the the shittier version of James White on a shittier team. So uh, we'll we'll leave with this perfect one to end with. Shout out. Shout out uh, Jenks for this question. Who's going to be on the winning best ball mania three team this year? I have a few takes. I'm interested in what you guys and what you guys think. Um, something that I have been pretty adamant about is actually um, the Cardinals and Falcons game. I think that is the game that is actually probably the most appealing outside of Kansas City and Denver in week 17. I obviously really like the Rams Chargers game, but 
you have to factor cost in, right? And when you factor cost in, I think that the Falcons-Cardinals game is the most appealing out of all the games other than Denver and Kansas City. And on the Cardinals-Falcons side of things, it's a lot more easy to kind of figure out who it's going to be. For me, I really like Hollywood, and I really like Kyle Pitts. Those are my favorite targets in that game. Um, those are two big stands that I'm taking, and I sure hope that Kyler you know, comes along for the ride with a big old, you know, 40 ball in the championship game. But those are, those are kind of the guys that I, um, really, really, really believe in. Um, Jamar chase is coming up in the chat. Naji, of course, from, uh, from Tony. I like the Gabe and Amon Ra as second rounders last year or last year, next year. Gabe obviously is, you know, an honorable mention for me on on the list, but that was that was that was too lazy if I went if I went there. Nico Collins. There's a fun one. Here we go. Uh Nico Collins and Zay Jones both score two touchdowns in week 17 and make make the back end of the BBM three roster the winner. Um, yeah, McKenzie's on Pitts and the and Nuke London, so we're on the same. <laughs> Saquon is the RB one for the Chiefs. Love that, love that. Uh, and then Dakota does ask, "How are you liking the Bears Lions game? Sneaky shootout potential?" Yes, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. The Bears are gonna stink, but uh, Bears Lions is not a lot of defense. And actually, the Lions at least should put up some offense. So get some fields, fields, Mooney, Komet, Phelish Jones, garbage time uh, uh, against the Lions. When, when it's going to be Lions Seahawks uh, from last year as Bears is Bears Lions. Um, obviously, obviously love uh, uh, the old uh, Broncos, Broncos Chiefs. I will say that's a good one. I didn't want to say Gabe because it was kind of too lazy and clearly my brand. I'm going to say MVS um, and Javante. I'm going to say Melvin is Melvin is, you know, hurt or not as much of a factor by then. Javante is playing most of the snaps and, you know, it's later. The weather's maybe not super ideal at that point in the season in that part of the country. So we're riding Javante a little bit, but MVS Catches two long, two long bombs. Catches two long bombs. Um, exactly. That's what we're that's what we're talking about. GA says Aaron Jones or Dalvin gonna run all over in in the snow, in the snow. This is true. Melvin's also hurt already. So it's Javante. It's Javante season. All right. Thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. Be back tomorrow. We're gonna draft the drafters team. We're gonna draft. We got to get back into the drafters streets. We're gonna be drafting all over the place over this last this last month. Drafters, DraftKings, obviously. Underdog got a special guest for Monday joining me on the stream and uh, uh, fired up to start firing away at uh, the rest of these. I've been. I told you guys I, I have like been holding off. I got my one fifty done in the DraftKings million. I've been kind of holding off on what I'm gonna do with with BBM. I'm about to. We're about to start firing back. At uh, at BBM, so I'm excited, I'm excited to get back into it. Excited to stream another draft tomorrow. This was a ton of fun. Really appreciate you guys bringing all the questions. Tons of like awesome 
awesome questions that help me, that help me think through these things too. But um, have a wonderful evening. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace. (laughs) 